0: Well, today's message is brought to you by DayQuil, since I've been a little sick the past couple of days, and that's the only way I'm going to be able to get through this message. So, I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Lamentations, chapter 5, and we will begin reading at verse 19. I'd like to invite you, if you are able, to stand in honor of the reading of the Lord's Word. Lamentations, chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. And that's just what you wanted to hear on the last Sunday of the new year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for... This text that you've given us has been passed down through the generations, Lord. We ask that you would open it up to our hearts and minds, Lord. And help it to speak to us. And Lord, I ask that you would speak through me. Help me to speak your words, not the ones that I want to say, Lord. We just ask that you would bless our time together. I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, Lamentations is about a very depressing book if you really read the whole thing and you don't know what you're reading. But Lamentations is often thought to be wrote by Jeremiah, and one of the reasons that lamentations was important for the Jews, and they still do it today they read this text on the in july it 's about our calendars july it 's their month of abib on the ninth to remember why is this we got to figure out how to get this to work um, because they were wondering, you know where is God because this Am I doing? What's going on, Dave? I want to go back, one more back. Okay, we'll stay here for a second. Okay, um, they were. This would be their mourning of the destruction of their temple, and so what you really, when you're kind of reading it. So we'll go to the next one now. Next slide. They're asking, does, does God care about us in our struggles? And does he love us no matter what we've done? And we're really wrestling at this time with, with who they were and what was going on in their lives. So let's go to the next slide. So to understand this, like I said, we've got to understand the context of everything that's going around. You see, during this time, the Babylonians had been... Had laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. This was for about 18 months. So from about the year 587 to 586 BC. And they finally took the city and they completely destroyed everything. They destroyed their temple, they destroyed the palace, and they carried all, they carried a lot of the people away captive. And so this book was written shortly after that time. And it was by someone who saw the destruction of the temple. And so, Lamentations. Um, boy, I'm having a hard time reading that back there. Is this is little, lamenting the destruction of their temple by the Babylonians? So they they were. This is almost like a funeral song for them. And the first four chapters of it are written like an acrostic poem, beginning with each each verse section beginning with a certain letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But chapter five is just a little bit different. It's more written as a prayer. And so this is the very conclusion of the book. And so um, what they had to come to grips was, was everything they had was destroyed. And they began to enter into this period of captivity, something very different from what they'd known. They'd always been kind of a free people living in this land that God had promised them and had been passed down through all their generations. So let's go to the next slide. And so for the Jews, they had two basic central worship sites. When they came out of Egypt, they had the first one there on um, the left, And that was their tabernacle. During the Exodus, God gave these plans to Moses. And the people came together and they built this beautiful tabernacle. And they, they followed it. It was, it was where God's presence came down. And where Moses talked to God face to face. This was where God's presence was. And it was put, always put in the midst of the camp. It wasn't on an edge or outside. It was in the midst. All the people would camp around it. And so God would often show up in there. And then when the cloud in the cloud of fire, or, or in the pillar of fire, or the pillar of cloud. And then when he, God would pick up and move, the people would go and they would move with God. So God was always in the midst of his people and he always went before his people. But later, once the king started coming along, David desired to build a temple for God, a permanent place where God could dwell. But God didn't let David do it, he let Solomon. And that's the other picture up there. That is what the temple probably looked like when it was originally built. And that was Solomon's temple. It was a very glorious thing. And when they built it, the present when they consecrated it, the presence of God so filled the temple it drove out all the priests, so they could not carry out their duties because the presence of God was so so filling in that temple. And then let's go to the next slide. And so they were really questioning who was in control. Is this God in control? Because we have this awesome temple. You know, that's where God is. That's the presence of God. Nobody can take away our, our livelihood because we have the temple. And so they had to wrestle with who was really in control. But that's what their first verse is. They recognized that God reigns forever. That he was with them then, before, and he would be with them in the future. They had to come to grips with this. was What do we really believe about God? They were really wrestling with their faith at this time. And they had to recognize that their hope could no longer be in the temple. It couldn't be in where they thought the only place of the presence of God could be. It had to go, it had changed, and his focus was shifted into who the character and the nature of God. They had to f- realize who God really was. He wasn't, you can't limit God into a building. They had to come to grips with that, because that's what they did. They basically put God in the temple and said, that's where he is, that's where God is. And so... The next verse is the writer asks these interesting why questions. So let's go to the next slide. And so he asks these why God, why questions. Why do you always forget us? Why are you so long in... Why do you forsake us for so long? Why, why, why God? They, were, they had to really come to grips with these why questions. And I like why questions. Because when that means, when you're asking why questions of God, that means you're wrestling with your faith. You're trying to come to a better, deeper understanding of who God is and what you believe about God. And so, God never forgot the people of Israel. He never forgot his promises to them. They were the ones who forgot God through their continual turning their backs on God through their continual sin, turning to idolatry. They forgot who God was and what he had done for them. But God didn't forget them. He was still faithful to them. He was still with them, even in the midst of their destruction, of their city, of their livelihood. And he was with them as they went away to Babylon, into captivity. The interesting thing is, they asked, why did God forsake us for so long? Because God doesn't work on our timetable. God is outside and controls time. It's interesting because when you read back in the previous stories of the Bible, when Joshua is fighting a battle, he asks God to have the sun stand still, and it does. So the day was prolonged while Joshua was able to completely defeat his enemies. And then you read later when the king Isaiah comes to one of the kings and asks him, what do you want the sign to be from God? Do you want the sun to move forward on the sundial or back? You know, the king is obviously smart, said, well, it's easy to move forward, so you better turn time backwards. And so that's what happens is the sun goes back, and that day ended up being longer. It's not quite like our daylight savings time, but a little bit similar. And so God was God doesn't work on our timetable, and he always knows when the fullness of time has come. Like when he sent Jesus into the world, Paul tells us in Galatians that the fullness of time had come. God could have put Jesus in the world earlier or later, but the fullness of time, everything was just right at that time. So God's the one who knows when everything is ready, when everything is just right. But do our why questions scare God? I say no, because obviously God is bigger than any why question you can ask. And so God, I think God enjoys it when we're asking, why did this happen? Or why did that happen? Why, why do we get sick and then have to preach? Or why do other things happen? And so let's go to the next slide, Dave. And then they go into this, the last couple of verses, or the last verse specifically. It says, Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond all measure. And the que- that raises the question is, does, they were questioning, does God forgive all our sins? And the answer is yes. God forgives all sins. There's no sin you can commit or any, thought you can, any sin you can commit that God will not forgive because of his love, his mercy, and his grace. But you can still receive consequences from your sin. It's often like if you get in trouble, so you stay out past your curfew, and then you come home and your parents are all upset, you can still get grounded and you can still apologize and get forgiveness, but you still are going to have to deal with those consequences of your actions. And so that's what this captivity period was. They were dealing with the consequences and through the place where God, where they had put themselves from their ancestors and from themselves. They were in this deep sin. They did not listen to the people that God continually put in their lives. They didn't listen to the prophets or the other teachers. and um, They didn't listen to them in order to know that God is calling us to this repentance, to forgiveness, to seek forgiveness from their sins. And they were questioning whether God was still in the covenant relationship with him that he had made with Abraham. God made this covenant relate covenant relationship with Abraham and his descendants to be their God and he would be their people. And so, what happened was, is God made it with Abraham, then with Isaac, and then with Jacob, and that continued to pass down through the 12 tribes of Israel. And he passed it down from generation to generation. They were this covenant people, this people set apart for God. They were to be... His kingdom, his people—they were to radiate God's love into the world. They were to be an example of who God's who God was and how God wanted to interact with the world. But the problem is, is they didn't do that. Time and time again, we have story after story in the Bible of the people who would seek to do something other than what God wanted them, what God was calling them to do. They weren't they weren't being the people that God was calling them to do to to be, and so they ended up they ended up questioning. Um, whether God was still in a covenant relationship with them. And the answer was, he was. So let's go to the next slide. Because God, he is a God of restoration. He takes all of the broken pieces that we have in our lives, and he puts them together. It's often like a puzzle. As you see, when you're doing a puzzle, you can look at the box and you can see the whole picture, but you can also look at all the little individual pieces, and you can wonder, how do you make this picture from all these little pieces? That's often what I our life is like. We can see all the little individual pieces, but God, he's the one who sees the puzzle box. He can see the picture of how things are going to turn out. And so sometimes we even get a glimpse or a little corner edge part or a little section of the puzzle, and we can see how things have worked together. But that's not always true. But God is a God of restoration and redemption. He was seeking to bring these people back into this relationship that they'd had, that he had called them to, And he did not want them to end up in exile, but that is the place where they ended up because of the choices they made. But God still wanted to restore and redeem them. But God did not abandon them in their suffering. He was already ahead of them in Babylon because God is omnipresent. He is always with us. He is everywhere. So he was already ahead of them, working and focusing in Babylon, setting up a new way for them to live out the covenant relationship that he had called them to. And this is why... This is often the period where synagogues arose because they no longer had the temple, so they came up with new ways to worship. And so he desired to use what happened to them in order to bring about restoration. And so God often uses what happens to us to bring about a greater faith in us and a greater person for who we are. So let's go to the next slide. So it had a lot to say to these people who were carried off into exile. But what does this have to to say to us. So, God still reigns today. That hasn't changed since this was over 2,500 years ago. God still reigns. He will reign now. He reigned then. He reigns now. And He will reign forevermore. And, what they didn't have, we have. We can see the fullness of God's plan through Jesus Christ, through His coming into the world, through His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension. We can see that we have this greater view of the plan of God. But God's reign is not limited to any structure. They often put, place God only in the temple. And we can often fall into that same trap. If we place God only in this building, we are missing who God is. If we limit God just to this building, what about all the other churches that have buildings? You know, God, God is not limited to a building. Now, don't get me wrong. The church is a very important place. It is a place where we are intentionally seeking to be in the presence of God and but if we are only looking to keep to for the church to be the only place where we get into the presence of God we are missing what God is calling us to. He continually calls us to enter into his presence and into a relationship with him. God is bigger than our questions so we need to often be questioning what what is God saying to me with these situations? What what am I What what do I need to learn from what God is telling me? And so often we can seek through our suffering, we can look in the Bible for answers. And God desires to forgive and restore us into right relationship with him. This is the whole reason we have Jesus who came to the earth over 2,000 years ago. He came in order to make a way for us to be brought back into that right relationship with God. So we can fully live into who God calls us to be in the now and not yet kingdom. That we have the now kingdom where we can see glimpses of the kingdom of God, what he's calling us to in the future, but we are not there yet. We do not have the fullness of the kingdom of God, which is no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, and we continually get to be in the presence of God. And our last one is God uses broken people. All throughout the Bible, God uses broken person after broken person. You see, Noah, who built the ark, Noah later became a drunkard, but God still was able is able to forgive them. Abraham, who was the father of the whole Israelite people, in a way he was impatient. He gave in to what his wife was asking him to do to have the promised child through another woman. That's not what God was. So in a way, Abraham was impatient, but God still forgave him, and Abraham is commended as a great example of faith in the Old Testament. Jacob, his, grands- his grandson, was a cheater and a deceiver. He cheated his brother out of the birthright, and he deceived his father into giving him the greater inheritance. Moses, who led the people out of Egypt, he was a murderer and a fugitive. Gideon, he doubted what God could do, and he often gave in to idolatry. Samson, frequently gave in to sexual immorality. David committed adultery and was a murderer. Solomon, he desired power and riches, and that led him away from God. Elijah struggled with depression and was suicidal. Jeremiah and Isaiah felt unworthy when God called them. Peter, he had a big mouth, and he also had a temper. Those both often got him into trouble. In fact, Jesus even called him Satan one time and told him to get behind him. James and John, they desired power and recognition. They were seeking to be at the places of importance next to Jesus in his kingdom. But Jesus flips their perspective and says, It's not the first and the people of power who are going to be in my kingdom. It's the last and the least and those who make their life a life of service to the kingdom of God. And then the great apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he was an early persecutor of the church. He even approved the first martyr of a Christian. He was standing there. He gave his approval of it. He was also a legalist. He, he gave different rules for, the exact, for each law. He had an exact amount of things you could do. One of the best examples is working on a Sabbath. You could walk so far, but if you walked one more step, then you were working on a Sabbath and you were breaking that law. They held to the letter of the law rather than seeking to find the spirit of the law. And so that's... what it it has to say to us today. God is a God who wants to restore us. God is still reigning today. He still is bigger than our questions. He desires to forgive and restore us. And He uses broken people like you and me to bring His kingdom and His righteousness into the world and to bring us into deeper relationship with Him. And so, throughout this next year, If we change from looking to see why did this happen, we need to change and start trying to find a way to get into the presence of God to understand who God is and what He is doing in and through each and every situation presented to us. We need to change from why, why, why to God, you're in control. We're going to hope and trust in your character and nature and we are no longer going to focus on our problems and our struggles because we know you are already with us in our problems and our struggles and will help bring us bring us into a greater relationship with you and a greater understanding of our faith. And so let's close with let's close with that last song we sung, Jesus Messiah. and if you feel like you'd like to come, and pray, feel free to do that. The altars are always open here and we know that God always hears our prayers and God always desires to bring us into a deeper relationship with Him. So let's sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this book of limitation that is passed down to us, Lord. We thank You for the lessons we can learn from it that we need to learn to trust in You and not in structure or not in a program but you are the one with whom our hope is found you are the one whose nature and character we must seek and strive after we ask that you would be with us as we go out into into the afternoon and through the next weeks Lord and we just ask that you would be with us throughout this new year Lord help us to come into deeper relationship with you and a greater understanding of who you are and what you are doing in our lives pray this in Jesus name Amen. Now, receive this blessing. May you, who are called people of God, learn to hope and trust, not just in a building, a structure, or program, but in the character and nature of who God is. Go in peace.